like we are live on Facebook. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Voices for Change show starring the woman determined to put an end to intimate partner violence, filmmaker Tracy Schott, creator of VoicesForChange.net and director and producer of the award-winning documentary Finding Jen's Voice. I'm Hope Katz, producer of the show on my Incandescent Radio Network and Incandescent TV and if you've been following us since the launch of the show in January, you know that each episode of Voices for Change focuses on stopping IPV, intimate partner violence. But starting with this episode, we are shining a light on a broader topic, sexism. And today's guests are ideal to start us off. On this episode, you'll meet Sue Lang and Rachel Ofori, two powerful female filmmakers and Tracy's partners on her newest film production, La Bonne Chef which just won the big Apple Film Festival screenplay competition. Congratulations, ladies. Um, and a little about Sue. Sue is a writer and producer whose movies include Dust Nuggets, Traffic Opera, which was nominated for a Best Short Film at the Nice International Film Festival, and three more award-winning films, A Perfect View, Princess Dancer, and Jump. She is also the writer and producer of the YouTube series of short films, Amer Amazing Burks. And Rachel is a highly motivated creative professional that fosters not only the art of this business, but its productivity. She has worked on projects ranging from PBS commercials to studio and independent feature films. On this interview, you're gonna learn so much. So I'm throwing it over to Tracy, take it away. And with that, she gets a <laughs> coughing fit. <clears throat> yes, uh, it is allergy season, so bear with me. <clears throat> you know, um, when I, um, first went into filmmaking, I made that transition from social work to um, film. I started because I was interested in, in doing children's television. And when you looked at um, children's TV, they were pretty limited and they were very boy-oriented. Um, and um, about that same time, Gina Davis was looking at the same thing because she had a little girl and she was looking at what television was showing in terms of little girls on TV, even among Disney and PBS, and it wasn't pretty. Um, girls were either underrepresented, not represented, or sexualized even in animated um, television for children or, or movies for children. And so she started um, the Gina Davis uh, Institute on Gender and Media. And um, since that time, um, she's really advocated uh, to uh, movie producers to be more, um, to offer more roles to girls. And, and they've done it. You know, she's got some weight in, in television and movies. And it's much more gender balanced uh, in children's television. It's getting better in adult television, for sure. Um, certainly when we look at streaming media and you look at the, the big names in um, television shows on Netflix and Hulu. I mean, things like Handmaid's Tale and Grace and Frankie and Big Little Lies. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. The, the really binge-worthy shows <clears throat> really... Um, do have women in front of the camera and on the other side of the camera and the target audience is clearly women. It's been a little bit slower to happen on the big screen. Movies um, are a, a little bit slower to respond. And so Sue, I'm gonna put you on the spot 
because you and I have been doing a whole lot of research on this topic. And I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about what we've found in terms of um, women directors, writers, producers, and how that sells. So the perception um, for a long time in Hollywood is that you need for your blockbusters, you need male leads, um, male characters, male stories. And they, uh, in the past few years, there's been a number of by various groups uh, finding that that is really not true, that um, stories that are diverse, stories that feature women um, and older women actually do sell more at the box office. So a lot of the thought um, has just been turned on its head. It's just what sells is not really what the perception is. So that's kind of where we're at with our film, which does feature an older female and a diverse cast. So um, we're kind of using that to as a selling point for the film itself. Yeah, so I am going to read. I do have some of the statistics. <clears throat> I was throwing it to you because I was coughing. Sorry. Of the top 100 grossing films in 2019, women represented 10.7% of directors, 19.4% writers, 24.3% producers, and 70% editors, and uh, only 6% composers. In 2020, um, you know, Rachel, I, I know that um, we were all excited to see uh, changes when the Oscars came about and for 2020. You know, um, there were, was a lot more minority filmmakers, actors, and women, um, uh, both in front of and behind the camera. Um, <clears throat> still, Catherine Bigelow and Chloe Zhao are the only two women to ever win the Academy Award for Best Director. Um, and only seven women have ever been nominated. What, what are some of your thoughts and, and what, was, what was your reaction to this year's Oscars? Um, it, was, it was empowering. I, I love to see it become more normal rather than we get so excited for seeing people that look like us win or get nominated. Um, that's my goal and that's what I desired, that it's not like, oh, the first, the second, uh, something that's so exciting, it's like, let it be normalized, which is what we're trying to do. Um, I think it's one of those things where, whether it be a minority or a woman, what have you, you always have to feel like you have to do the, the absolute best. And I just think it's so interesting that, you know, there are so many mediocre male <laughs> filmmakers that get respect and they get honored and they get um, their second chance, third chance, fourth chance. And women, it's like, it's sometimes make or break at that block, blockbuster level. And even with Catherine, it's like she had to go very masculine to get to get attention. They're like, wow, she went, she has, she has this other side of her. And it's like, okay. <laughs> um, I would love to see a woman get recognized just for her perspective on a, her type of story. I think that's what's next. Um, and a story that comes from a world that she's lived in. And I think Catherine was, was awesome in doing a story that was really male dominant and to be able to show it in a perspective that possibly a man wouldn't be able to capture in the way that she did. Um, but I just wanna see, you know, where we could just use our own voices and our own stories, which like we're doing for Le Bon Chef, um, and that it becomes more normalized. It becomes more of the thing that we just expect 
um, rather than it being something special. Um, I think that women's stories are human stories. I don't think it's a separation. I don't think it's some like niche thing. And I think the numbers like Sue was saying and you Tracy were saying it's it's in the numbers. Um, and the only reason that the numbers didn't show that before is because it was men telling men's stories. So if you want me to come see a movie, <laughs> I need to connect with it. So a lot of women, they would just go because it's a date or they would just go because, okay, this guy really wants to see it. Their husband really wants to see it. And once you flip that script, just like shopping, all shopping is based towards the women because they know the women are gonna go out and do the shopping. Um, even for men, they, they position the men's clothing to where it's on the way to seeing the women. So if women spend the money, if women are the ones that are the ones that choose what happens in the household, typically with the children and with what, what the, the, the nature and the culture of the family is gonna be, hello, entertainment, like <laughs> catch up. So I'm glad that we're catching up because it's, it's not even that, it's not like some magic happening. It's literally just focusing back on really who's gonna go out and, and, and be excited about it. Who's gonna go in a busload of people. A guy is not going to necessarily organize a busload of people to go see a movie. It just is what it is. We even saw with Black Panther, it's like, okay, they gave a black superhero a chance. And it's like, wow, all these schools and all these like organizations are sending busloads of kids. And it's like, this is magic. I'm like, no, those are the people that get excited to see their person in a hero type mindset. We saw it with Obama. So it's just, it's just not magic. It's not that special. It's just what the numbers and what the markets have always shown is just entertainment is consistently behind. And thank goodness for filmmakers like you both and filmmakers like all of us that have decided to just go for it. And we know that the numbers will show and continue to, to show what the culture really says, which is women make a lot of the decisions and we, we, do, um, we do direct and move the culture in our families as well as in our jobs and professions and in conversation. It's so important, you know, when I, and the connection for me to this subject and Voices for Change is that intimate partner violence is about sexism. It's about, it's gender-based violence, right? And our culture provides an environment that makes it acceptable. And the, the biggest, the strongest uh, driver in our culture is the media. So when women's voices are left out of uh, important media outlets, um, we can't change that culture. You know, it continues to just be this laissez-faire uh, approach to uh, violence against women. And we see it in in film. I mean, there's so much violence against women. And it, it, it normalizes violence that you know, it's, it's not normal. It's just not normal to, um, you know, to have, uh, you know, to have rape and violence against women be, be a source of entertainment. It's, it's offensive, right? Um, and we, we like to see ourselves, right? You know, what, what are the films that I like to see? I like to see films that I can relate to the characters. Yeah, every now and then it's nice to get transported to another world, such as in Black Panther, you know, and see people, you know, calling up walls and doing all <laughs> kinds of cool stuff, you know, and, and saving the world, you know, it's, it's great. But that's not really the same kind of storytelling as what we're talking about with Le Bon Chef. So let's talk about Le Bon Chef. 
because it's it's a fun it's a fun uh, project. Um, Sue and I have worked on a bunch of projects through the years, and this one we we started conceptualizing this about three four years ago, right, Sue? Yeah. Um, and we started out talking about it being a television show, um, and we wrote it as a television show, and then we just really couldn't figure out what to do with it. <laughs> So we kind of went back to the drawing board with with our characters, uh, added a couple of more, and um, we rewrote it last year as a feature film. So why don't you why don't you talk about Sue um, the story um, behind Le Bon Chef and, and what um, the audience need to know? Yeah, well, the story is it is a comedy film, comedy drama, um, uh, which means it's it's got. A, a message, but it's um, not, it, it's easily digested, I guess. It, it's mostly lighter. Um, it's, it is a happy film. <laughs> um, it's about a chef, a female chef, 50, late 50s, early 60s. And she is um, at the top of her game. She's uh, studied with the best she's got a michelin star uh, her restaurant has a michelin star she's she's great she knows uh french food inside and out um and that's almost her downfall because she um she's a traditionalist and as the world turns more to vegan low carb um food, uh, it's, that's everything that French traditional is not. So her, her restaurant is in trouble. And the name of her restaurant is Le Bon Chef, named uh, for her father who uh, owned it originally. And uh, she carries on her father's tradition. And throughout the film, uh, she sort of, uh, we see her sinking deeper into trouble until her best friend shows up, who is a world traveler and has is a social media guru has millions of followers on Facebook and Twitter, and she steps in to save uh, her friend's restaurant through the miracle of modern social media. And they're pretty much like this uh, throughout the film. Um, yeah, we refer to it as uh, uh, Celine is dragging Vivian, kicking and screaming into the 21st century. Exactly. So, um, at any rate, uh, that's kind of the premise for the film, and um, it goes on from there. Yeah, it's it's a fun it's a fun um, topic. It's also it's about the restaurant business too, you know, and and part of part of my push around uh, doing this film was I spent a lot of time in restaurants in my uh, teens and twenties. I was, uh, I worked my way through high school, undergrad, graduate school as a waitress. And then I managed to um, hook up with a French chef um, who was a bit of a tyrant in the kitchen as well. And I really spent a lot of time watching kind of the machinations of how a restaurant operates. Um, and it's, when I started as a filmmaker and I started hanging out on film sets, it was the same kind of adrenaline and energy on a film set as what I experienced in a restaurant kitchen. There were these 
really long days, really intense. Everybody had their job to do. There was one person in charge in the, on the film world. It's the director and in, in the restaurant, it's the chef who, you know, word of God, you know, I mean, whoever, whatever that comes out of that person's mouth, that's everybody drops, you know, tucks and rolls and does what, whatever he tells, tells you to do. Right. And, um, so when we started doing this, this, uh, film and writing this script, it was like, it took me right back to those days in the restaurant business. And, um, so it was, it was, it's, it's a fun film, but it also has a, a, it's also a commentary on kind of patriarchy and that patriarchal hier hierarchy that we see in um, many businesses, but particularly film and restaurant. Um, I know Rachel um, came onto this project um, a, a couple of months ago um, and uh, we, we needed, we needed a savvy line producer um, to help us with the mechanics and and help us uh, get outside of our own heads and um, see a fresh perspective. And so we're really happy to have Rachel um, be uh, our producer of this uh, project. And and Rachel's, you know, you read the script and you were like, you were all in. Um, so t tell me, tell me a little bit about what what appealed to you? Yeah, I um a lot. <laughs> well, first of all, you two, uh, Tracy and Sue. Um, I I just recently got my first chance to work with a woman director in a big way. I've done it on like commercials, but never really like on a film. Uh, and Eunice Levi is her name on a film called Invade. And I, you know, I'm not the type of like pendulum ship where I think that men have done it horrible and now we're gonna do it better. I think that it's it's a joint effort. It's collaborative and there is a reason that we're so good at what we do as women and there's a reason that men are so good at what they do and when it's joined together in the right way it makes beautiful things but i will say a woman director <laughs> is amazing to work with and the reason i say that is there's i mean this is be real i grew up with all men um i love men they're great but they don't multitask very well and i was so impressed with eunice's ability to like all, like the morning of filming she'd be like signing checks and like asking me questions like with with um, all the men i've worked with and they were awesome i had to like kind of pamper them the morning of and keep their mind on one thing and don't ask them questions and like that was that but eunice it was like kind of shocking when she would talk to me about other things on set and i'm like oh um so that's one reason i was like so excited to work with women again it was just like this is great um the other side of it i read the script and i love how it honored not only like okay the main character but all the women in the in the in the script had their own thing that that was honored in something that is, I don't know. I feel like sometimes when when it's like a move to honor women, it's so soft. It's like only the matriarch or only the the beauty of a woman being able to do the, the, the children and the this and that. It's like this film was like these are the women that I know. It's like the young uh, Creole girl that like is snappy and like can like hold her own with the guys, and then like she she has a sharp tongue. Um, or it's like the main character who is just like all about her business. Like, and she's not apologetic, apologetic about it. Um, I think that a lot of times women, we have this idea still, even though we're so progressive, we still get this idea that we have to be a certain thing mm -hmm. and that work and everything else. If we can do that, that's a bonus. Like, oh, wow, you're also just this amazing businesswoman. It's like, no, I introduce myself as that. I'm a businesswoman. 
I'm great in business. I'm great at what I do. I take my craft very seriously. And I love that about the main character. And then she has this friend who is just as respectable. Like most of my friends are these like glamazons and they're like beautiful and they like know how to do their nails and suddenly their hair looks perfect every day. I'm like, how do you do that? So I love that like she's in there too. I just felt like they were all my friends and they were people that I know. And these are women that are today. These are women that we can honor in so many different ways. And then we have the amazing, interesting men that support them and <laughs> hilarious um, characters um, that just like interact with them in this way that I, I know this world. And just like you said, Tracy, like the restaurant world is so akin to a film set. Um, so behind the camera, I was excited to work with you both um, just in a, a very like, hey, like woman power way, but also in a way of like, it's just something different that happens when women's minds come into a space, whether it be in entertainment, the corporate world, I've seen it all. Like, it's like, I usually am on a group of men and I come into the space and something different happens. And it's not because I'm amazing. It's just like, I'm a woman, we, we think different. So just like if we have a whole woman group, like we have four women on this, if we bring one guy in, something changes. He brings another perspective. So I think that it's so necessary. I love that we're collaborating with also Kevin Hackenberg, who is a, a great uh, DP and AD and so many things and producer. And, and I think that's the way it works. I think that's the way it should work. And I've, I've done it all the ways. And I think that this is the best way. And I'm excited to just be a part of the project, excited to tell the story. And also, like I said, just honor those different women characters that sometimes don't really get the play and the forefront that other, you know, and, and all stories are needed. We love all the stories about the mothers, but this is different. And I love that about this. Yeah, and you know, and I think one of the things that um, I really like um, that Sue brought to this script particularly is our, our characters are multidimensional. You know, um, it, characters aren't just one person. They're, you know, they're complicated. The human, the human being is complicated. And too often films, um, and it, especially in the comedy genre, they, they, they really dumb down the characters. You know, they're, they're one dimensional. And, um, and that just, that's their funny, right? They're one dimensional. But you can be funny and multidimensional and more real. And um, I think it just gives people more places to go. It's, it's exciting. Um, you know, when, they, when um, I started directing, um, I had been producing for a long time. And, and like you, I mean, I, you know, my best friends were guys. I, you know, spent a lot of time on film sets where I'm the only, you know, woman on, on crew. Um, and I'm comfortable in that space. But when I... When somebody suggested to me that I direct, I kind of looked at the directors, the male directors that I'd worked with, and I thought, I can't really be that person. It's not, it doesn't really gel with who I am. And, um, and at, at some point I had this aha moment that I didn't have to do it that way. You know, I could do it my way, which is a much more female way, which is much more collaborative. You know, I don't, um, I don't have to be a tyrant. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more presidential and less royalty. <laughs> yeah, <I like> that. <laughs> it's more of a democracy, you know? Um, and, and I, you know, what I love about filmmaking is it's so collaborative, you know, everybody brings a special skill set in. Um, and any one person who thinks that they know it all is, is fooling themselves. You know, if you, you have to have those other voices, you have to be listening and, and bringing in all that information to get the best product out. Otherwise, 
Otherwise, you have a one-dimensional film, you know. Exactly, totally. Yeah. yeah, so it's fun. So, Sue, tell us what tell our audience about where we are right now, um, and some of the things we've done so far, and in the process of making this film. Um, well, we finished writing it, and then we rewrote it and rewrote it. And we're still doing that as <laughs> time goes on, little tweaks here and there. Um, the pandemic actually put an interesting curveball in the script because it's hard to ignore the fact that the pandemic happened. So, um, so all along in the last year, the question has been, well, do we, where are we, when we, when we shoot this, is it going to be during the pandemic? You know, are we going to portray the pandemic? Are we going to ignore it? Uh, is this pre-pandemic? What you know? So the script had to sort of take that into account. But so the, the script is finished, but it does have tweaks happening all the time. Um, we, last year, we, um, once we decided it was gonna be a film, we start, we just had to figure out how it's going to be funded. And in the past, our projects have been very small and um, we've been able to crowdfund for the money or uh, pay for it ourselves. Um, but this film is a pretty big leap uh, for both of us. So we decided we had to go with investors because we would never be able to crowdfund the amount of money that it was going to take. It's still considered a low budget film, but um, that in the film world, that's a lot of money. So uh, we're talking about a, about a million dollar budget. Yeah. So last year we started, um, we did do a crowdfund um, funding uh, just for development funds, which usually run twenty to $30,000. So we um, had a successful campaign on the Seed and Spark platform. And um, we've been working with those funds to uh, get people, um, our casting director and our legal team together so that uh, that's sort of the first step uh, when getting investors, you have to have your business, um, your operating agreements, all your legal uh, paperwork together in order to get people to invest in you. So that's really where we're at now. We have that behind us and we're now going to embark on finding our investors. And once we do that, then we can move on. And we've actually getting Rachel on board is um, what, the line producer is one of the first people you do get on board because they help with figuring out how you're going to, um, how, where the money is going to be spent and so on. So getting Rachel, and, and Rachel's doing so much more than just line producing because she does have some good connections. So um, everything in making a film, it's not just collaborative. It really is about um, who can do what and um, who's interested in the film and it's constant, constant networking. And Rachel's very good at that. So um, she's kind of pushed us uh, forward with um, connecting us with in really interesting people um, in, in front of the camera and behind the camera. So um, we're moving yeah. along. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's been challenging when you mentioned the pandemic. You know, normally um, we would be doing events, going to film festivals, um, you know, going to 
New York, you know, every other week to meet people, talk to people and just build our network. Um, you know, we're in Reading, Pennsylvania. It's not exactly Hollywood or New York City. Um, so, you know, we recognize that we always need to get out there and put ourselves out there. And that, you know, effectively shut down for the last year. Now it's just now starting to open back up, but it's, it's a very, um, you know, it's different than than it was uh, a year and a half ago. And uh, I remember the last time we were in New York and you know we had gone in, I think, for a New York Women in Film and Television screening of Traffic Opera, right? Um, you know, we talking to people, connect, making great connections and all excited about coming back in March and, and, um, it, and that none of that happened. So it's, it, it's, um, it's challenging and, um, you know, really reaching out to other people is so important. Um, you know, uh, Rachel, you've you've had some um, you have some great connections. You've done a lot of work um, in the industry. I mean, you've you I I don't know you you either are like 50 years old and hide it really well or you've just um you've been so busy in your young life because you've done so many interesting things um when you think about this film how does it fit into some of the other work that you've done and um what are you excited about um well first i'm i'm 87 years old <laughs> you're amazing <laughs> No, I just I just jumped in early Fast and Furious. But um yeah, I um I don't know. I'm I'm really excited about like we talked about telling the story, but I think that this 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 budget world that we're we're kind of fitting that that space, it's really an interesting space to be because there it really is no limit, but there also is like um when you pass the limit that people expect, there is a tremendous amount of return that comes in. And I don't mean just money, I just mean like you're in a space of like you're you have enough money to do something with something professional something good but you're also not expected to be like a blockbuster what have you so there's a certain level of freedom there's a certain level of independent feel that goes with it but then there's enough money to really make a statement um and i think that even us just filming in pennsylvania with all of our connections and being able to be in in reading itself and just the support that they have with the Redding film festival with both of you and so many different things i really think that it's going to be something special and grassroots that starts in a grassroots space, but then expands because of the subject matter, because it's French food, because it's food and we're gonna show the food beautifully, but also because the characters, like they're just very attractive people um, and the way that they interact is hilarious. So I, did, I think just it's, it's one of those things that has so much potential and we're in the, this kinetic space um, where we're about to just explode um, with filming and then going to post and then going into shopping it and showing it and getting people to get to see not what we want them to see, but what they want to see. I think it's one of those like good uh, special meeting places where there's an audience waiting for it. Um, we're not going to pull teeth. We're just going to get to show them what they want to see and then do it in the special way of Tracy directing and Sue's amazing writing with you, with you both, your collaboration. So I think that it's just going to be a really great like rise and a really great um, explosion of, of story that goes into the world that a lot of people are going to get to see. We're going to get a lot of festival support. Um, not just because of women, just like, it's a good story, period. Whether it would be women or what have you, it's a great story, it's a triumphant story, it's a, a story of growth and change at an at a age where we get to see like someone that's already knows who they are, 
and they already are on their path, but they have a question of like, how do I do this now with this new world? And it's funny, it's like, yes, that is a story that happens in like the 50s, but it's also a story that's happening for everyone right now. Like someone that's 19 is doing that because of COVID. It's like, I knew what I was doing, but now like the world is different. How do I do that? Even what we're doing now in film, it's like, now it's kind of normalizing, but we've done this like COVID compliance officer thing. And <laughs> we've done this thing where now we have to worry about hugging our loved ones, not because of our own safety or a lot of us. It's really like, I don't want to hug my, my older aunt because I might make her sick. How do I now show her love? Everything is changing. The world has changed in such a way. And we have to figure out how we are who we are, how we do what we do in a new way. And that's what this film at the underlining course of it is where really our main character is. Like she's done it. She knows what she's doing. She knows how to cook. She knows how to make great food. She knows how to, you know, make an experience and ambiance and knows how to hire the people and lead the team and do all the stuff she does in the kitchen. But the world's different. You have all these like, like hipsters, like, hey, where's the vegan option? She's like, butter. Like, what are you talking about? Butter, you know? So, you know, it's just like, I feel like it's a personification of where our world is, not just in America, but everywhere. So I think it's a story that's so timely and it's it's going to connect with everyone in a certain way. And some people it's going to like drive it home for them. Like it's 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 one of those films that everyone could watch it. But we have a, a niche audience here that are going to just love it and eat it up and spread it to everyone else. So I think that that's what I'm most excited about. Um, a lot of times in the process, just in comparing, you're in this space where you know you're making a gem, you know everyone on the team is great. But you're like, how do I find this audience? How do I connect with them? I think that that's a question for every project. But for this, it's like, okay, let's just get the word out <laughs> and let them show us the themes and the subjects that we're touching on. And people, I believe, will flock to it. And that's a special place to be. Um, so I think all these different elements coming together, um, the people working on the team, the story, the script, the food, um, the subject matter, the timing of when it's coming through, it's really going to be something special. Yeah, thanks for that. I think that, you know, I, I am really proud of this script, you know, and the one thing that, that we've heard consistently when somebody reads the script, including some talent that we'd love to have signed to the, the project, they read the script, they're like, yeah, yeah, I like it. All right, yeah. well, how, do, how do we make this happen, you know? And um, that that's really exciting. And, and we wrote it originally, of course, we, we started writing this pre-COVID, and... Um, you know, we were talking about age, right? Um, Sue and I are the same age, and we, you know, we were going, all right, how do you stay relevant? How, you know, you know, how, how, do, you, how do you get to your sixth dec death decade and go, how do, how do I stay, stay in the game, you know, uh, moving forward. And so that was a lot of our, the context for the film was like, how does she stay relevant while everything around her is changing? And it was, it really was about her age and her gender, right? Um, but as you've pointed out, it's, it's a question that everybody's asking now. How, how do I stay relevant? Um, what are your thoughts about that, Sue, in terms of... <laughs> It, it wasn't, it was absolutely about how to stay relevant, but it wasn't so much um, because of her age as much as it was, how, how does she stay relevant and stay true to what she considered to be um, her morality or, you know, who, not so much who she was, but following the rules, uh, you know, of the French tradition and, um, 
you know, the question for her was, how do I stay relevant and true to the rules? And she had to discover maybe the rules aren't as important um, as what she thought they were, and certainly not in the in the world that isn't that appreciative of what she considered to be the rules. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's an interesting um, concept to like th throw the rules rule book out and create a new one. Um, and you know, and there's great freedom in that. But you know, rules are you know give us a sense of stability as well right you know they're they ground you um so when you don't when you throw the rule book out it it you know puts everybody on kind of uh, unsettled you know an uneven footing in our story the rules the rules definitely she was uh appreciated the rules helped her gain her notoriety but once she lost that prestige she had to throw the rule book out so yeah. the rules are good as long as everyone appreciates your following of them yeah well but again as rachel pointed out you know we're we're in a we're in a world where people are questioning all the rules absolutely, absolutely. um and so what are how 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 do we how do we move forward in our world um, when the rules are changing so quickly? Yeah. Or, or what, what do we want the new rules to be? Yeah, or their rules are no longer really appropriate. Yeah, yeah. So um, we, we are coming up on our uh, allotted time. So I want to kind of give everybody a chance to just, um, you know, think kind of th think about this film and this project in the context of um, gender-based violence uh, gender, or just gender issues and issues of sexism in our culture, our, in Hollywood. And any thoughts, any kind of closing thoughts on, on that subject? I'm going to let, who wants to go first? Well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like this film is um, a lot of what Rachel was saying is that it's, it's not so much that this is a film that preaches any kind of um, anti-male or anti-patriarchy. That really isn't the point. The, the, the way this film works for what you're trying to achieve, Tracy, is through what Rachel was saying, is just to normalize these characters and present characters. This is the problem I always had with film um, up until, you know, recently is that even films that were made for women, by women, about women, still weren't like anybody I recognized. The, the, the spectrum, the women's spectrum is much broader than what has been depicted in the past. And the strength of this film for what you're trying to get at is just to normalize these characters that are just kind of unseen before but really just out of real life what are your thoughts rachel yeah i um this is kind of a round way of answering but uh i was in nicaragua when the pandemic hit and we were there telling women's stories of empowering women that um that were giving jobs and training to the women in nicaragua who normally get married around 12 13 years old because their parents can't take care of them um, and most of them were in abusive situations. And it, that was normal for them. 
that was very normal. It's accepted. And once they were able to see like, oh, I can make money. Oh, I can learn a, a, a profession. Oh, I can do this. Suddenly, I mean, it was night, like overnight, these women would leave and go and, and get a skill and, and make their way. And it's changing the culture of Nicaragua. So we think of it in like this world, the Western world that we're living in, what thing or what, what thing in our young girl's mind is still in that same in that same place. It's not as extreme. We don't have the women getting married 12, 13 years old, but what are they putting up with? Um, because they aren't empowered to, to understand their their height or what is just normal for them, where they can go to, to chef school and be whoever they see on TV, on the Food Network, all these men, um, or they can l learn to be a sous chef. Like, it's, like just, just be a sous chef. Like, you know, it just could be just whatever, whatever you want to do. You can provide for yourself. You can learn for yourself. You can empower yourself, not to be this standalone entity, but when we come to, again, talking about that, the coexisting of the two sexes, it, when you have that, that, that confidence and that understanding of your value, you're not going to accept the cultural putting down. You're not going to accept a man that's not going to um, respect your body or, or it's going to be violent against you. There is one way where, I mean, I've been to domestic violence shelters and all these things, and, they, and they're teaching these women, you know, how to get out and all these things, but it's one end of it. But what's the other end, the preventative side? The preventative side is I know who I am. So no one ever will put their hands on me and me and I would accept it as love. And that's because I would have to love myself first. So how do you love yourself if you haven't had necessarily a representation of what it means to be yourself and who, who these women are in this in this film, especially the lead character. She knows who she is. She is herself. So there's certain things that she shouldn't put up with. And I think that that's really the solve for long term. Um, I'm raising a boy. My son is 16. And, you know, there's, there's a certain special thing happening in this younger generation on the male side where these, these guys, they just have respect for women. They don't see them as like this thing. They just, hey, that's my friend. That's my, like, it's just so normal. But on the flip side of that, we need to make sure that these girls are growing up to not um, value their sexuality more than anything, to not value the prettiness more than anything. I used to hate that I was not told I was pretty growing up. Like when I like, just like this tomboy, no one ever told me I was pretty, but it's like, I mean, I thank God for that now because it's like, I valued what I could give to a situation. It had nothing to do with what I look like, nothing to do with what I'm like, oh, hi. Like none of that. Like I didn't know that. I knew hard work. I knew that I could talk my way through anything. I knew that I could um, challenge someone and give them a new perspective. That's what I valued. And that's what I got praised for. So I think that that representation on the entertainment side, the responsibility comes in when it comes to normalization. Like Sue said, we have to show what's normal for a woman when she stands up and like is her own, is her own woman. Like I'm women hear me war thing. It's like, it's not like this, like Kamala Harris only and Hillary Clinton. It's like, hey, it's a chef. Hey, it's a sous chef doing her job. It's this waitress that is on time. And it's this like scrappy Asian wait, uh, um, one working in the kitchen that she makes comments under her breath to the guy that thinks he's everything. And she's really this quicker, like faster thinker. You know, it's that. So I think that that's something that we need to normalize in a way that empowers women in a way that does prevent this next generation from accepting the broken men that decide to put their hands on women. Cause that's really what it is. We can't fix that. We have to, that's a long-term thing where men that are broken, that are putting their hands on women or raping or whatever, their issue is with their own power and they feel powerless so they have to do that. On the flip side of it, they won't have anybody left to do it too if we empower women the right way. And I think that that's something that this film in its way, and like Sue said, in this fun, entertaining way does for women. Like, this is who we are. That, I think that's really um, a great summation. You know, we made a very conscious decision that this was not a romantic comedy. Mm 
And that so many people say, oh, is it a romantic comedy? No, no. She's got a relationship, but it's definitely not. This film is not about that relationship. It's about her and it's about her relationships with her friends and herself. And um, yeah, it's in so many of the stories that are geared to women are romantic comedies or romances and um again it just it just elevates the relationship the other um as opposed to you know their own self um and 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 men are not targeted for for romantic comedies ever because that's not you know they, 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 men aren't ex expected to think that way, right? It's somehow women are expected to think all of their all of their interests in a comedy are going to be about romance, right? So w we're definitely breaking the rules there, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So it's cool. Well, I'm really um, happy to share this part of this journey with uh, people who are tuning in to Voices for Change. I hope you enjoyed the little break from uh, some of the intense conversations we've had in the past um, and we will be having again in the future. Um, our next show in two weeks um, is going to be with Janine uh, Faree uh, David who is with the Global Research Institute in at UCLA and we're going to be talking about um, the work that she is doing and as part of that institute and they are taking research about gender and um, children and putting that research into action to make change in the world. Um, and so I'm really excited to bring uh, Janine. And um, again, uh, my apologies right now for just butchering your name. But, um, <laughs> I promise I'll get it right for the, for the podcast in two weeks. So thanks, Rachel, for joining the team for Le Bon Chef. I'm so excited to be working with you. And thank you, Sue, for um, being my partner in crime and all of these fun things that we do together. Thanks, Hope. Thank you all. You're watching Voices for Change on the Incandescent Radio Network and Incandescent TV. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Sue. And of course, thank you, amazing Tracy Schott. We will see you all two weeks, June 16th with Janine David. We'll talk to you soon.